Five Star Podcast. My name is Tom Savage. You're listening to TRK Premium. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, it has been a fairly busy weekend of Test Rugby as everybody starts to gear up for the World Cup. We have got warm-up games coming quick and fast. We've got training camps coming quick and fast. We've got World Cup squads coming thick and fast. So it's all getting very serious. The hike up the biggest mountain in the game is coming. And now people are checking their their bags pretty pretty rapidly to make sure that they've got everything in order um, because again I think the pressure of a World Cup is particularly unique I think it's not something that you can really prepare for you know unless you've got you know previous history of winning a World Cup I suppose and a lot of those guys can go from World Cup to World Cup which isn't the easiest thing in the world at all so yeah we're, we're in a, a spot now where we're kind of shaking out the last few bits of, of, of issues that any team might have or any selection decisions that have to be made. And to be honest, I, I don't think there were that many selection decisions that are there to be made from an Irish context. I think that bar maybe two or three guys, I think Andy Farrell has his squad of 33 more or less already picked. You can look at just and start naming out the guys who you feel would start in an Irish match day 23, plus some of the other guys who've spot, you know, stepped in for them over the last year or two repeatedly. And all of a sudden, you're kind of getting up to 28, 29 names. When you realise that you've got 33 total, all of a sudden it becomes, I would say, easy in one way, because there's only so many spots you've got to take up. Um, but, you know, barring injury, I think that's where we are. I think that this is the biggest issue when it comes to World Cup warm-ups is injury. And I think we're already experiencing some of that from an Irish perspective. Italy certainly are after that game at the weekend. Uh, Jack Conan picked up a, uh, well, well, I won't say serious looking. Well, it was serious looking. I'm not sure how serious it is, like, in actuality. He was in a moon boot uh, directly after half time, which is, I mean, never good, really. Um but again, that could have just been a precaution. Jimmy O'Brien had a what so seemed like a shoulder issue of some of some sort. He was icing up that, and we had Craig Casey who had a lower back issue and a bit of a hamstring issue as well. These aren't massive deals yet. I think Conan's is probably the most you know worrisome. You know when it comes to the to the moon boot. But um, yeah, it's it's part and parcel of the World Cup warm up season where. You've got to get sharp. You've got to get yourself out in the field. You've got to work out what you're doing and what you've been working on in, in uh, the, the preseason that we have now. Everybody's going to be adding something a little bit different to what we've seen from them previously. I think we saw a little bit of that uh, from Ireland in that game at the weekend as well. So um, it's it's nerve wracking because look, rugby is a game where people tick, you know, like like they they pick up injuries fairly quickly. And I think when you look at the uh, the different needs, I suppose that both teams will have coming into these warm-ups injuries are always possible and it's the worst possible time to get a 
you know, a mid mid level injury because you're going to be out of the World Cup. You know, there are certain guys who will say a Caelan Doris, if he were to pick up a small knock, they absolutely would still bring him. But for guys who might be on the fringes or, you know, for even guys who were kind of solid enough starters, if you get that, you know, two month injury injury or whatever else, like you're gone, your World Cup is over. And that's the harsh reality of it. And I think, you know, when it, when it comes to games like this, I did look at the um, the the game itself, you know, in, in, in a bit of detail. Um, I didn't do Wally ratings for them because I think, first of all, like doing star ratings for, you know, World Cup warm-ups, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. They're not full-on games. Yes, they, like, I mean, they look like it, of course. They certainly don't, you know, they, like they charge you enough to get in and see them. But for me, um, they're about shaking out different combinations, getting a look at different blends in your team build and getting guys back up to match sharpness. So I wouldn't be giving out star ratings for those in the same way that I don't tend to do it for preseason friendlies because guys are working things out. They're trying new things. There are new combinations that are there, obviously. So you can't fully judge them properly. I will give you a good idea as to who I feel impressed and who I felt did not in this game, but we will get to that as we go on. Uh, Final score here, of course, was Ireland 33, Italy 17. Uh, Andy Farrell was a little bit miffed after the game, I felt, watching it uh, directly after the game. He kind of softened his stance a small bit in the the, the post-match presser, which was maybe half an hour later on or maybe 45 minutes. Um... But he seemed a little bit annoyed that, you know, Ireland had not capitalised on the dominance that we had. You know, when you look at the stat sheet, we had 60-40 when it comes to possession. Uh, we had 64-36 uh, in overall territory. Uh, we had a lot of quick ball. We spent a lot of time in their half of the field. 74.5% of our possession was spent in Italy's half to give you an idea as to how dominant Ireland were for most of this game. But that didn't really reflect on the scoreboard and neither did it it reflect in the quality of the tries that were scored. A lot of what we saw in this game was mall position, close range, um, you know, phases and then barreling over from close range. We didn't really cut up Italy to the level that I feel we probably deserved. Certainly as the game wore on, uh, when you'd expect Italy might be getting a little bit tired because it was a fairly strong Italy team. We didn't cut them open in the same way that we did at times in the first half. But again, that can be for a number of different reasons. And I think a lot of it comes down to the combinations that were there. A lot of new combos. I think I spoke before the game about how when you're coming into a game like this, the big worry, and if you're you're one of the players is, is that you're not getting the full experience. You're not getting the full Irish. I might put that. Um, if I was capable of having t-shirts that would come out even halfway on time, that's something I might even try. Um, but by the way, on that, if you're waiting for a t-shirt from me, it is coming out. They should be out, I'd say, what would be Tuesday? They should be out either this week or Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, I've gone over to a completely new supplier who will be, they're taking the entire thing off my hands. I would have nothing more to do with it except maybe approving designs that get done. Um, but yeah, a little interjection there. Uh, it's been an absolute pain in the hole over the last two months my god nightmare anyway um the big issue when you're coming into a, a game like this um is you're expected to impress but because ireland are such a system team your individual chances of success are very dependent on 
your ability to run in that system and for the system to basically give you the leg up that you need to perform. Like we look at Mac Hansen as a guy who I picked out in the Wally ratings. He wasn't playing in this game. But when you look at when he got his debut was in the Six Nations of 2022. When he was coming in there, now he had had a great season up until that point. When he was brought in for his uh, for his debut, he was brought in with the full Irish team around him. The most cohesive, the most uh, experienced like unit within unit uh, squad in the game at test level and as a result it's kind of it's difficult if you're a good player like you'll thrive in that situation because a lot of it is is autopilot like you're, you're there to perform into individual bits and pieces for yourself as well you know there's always moments of magic as we saw from Matt Hansen in, in, in that Six Nations championship but if you're coming into a pack if you're coming into a midfield or an out an, an outside back unit as cohesive as that you just need to know your detail and be in the right spots and then you can make plays. And and that's what Mac Hansen did. But the more you deviate from that prime Irish team, the more difficult it becomes for the individuals within it to perform at a high level. We've seen this in the uh, Ireland A games that were in the tour of um, uh, New Zealand. Uh, certainly the first one the second one wasn't great either but like we won that game obviously then you're looking at the um the Ireland A game against New Zealand in November where got hammered by I think it was a New Zealand A or 15 or whatever it was um and there were a lot of good players on that team but the fact that that Irish team had not played with each other there was complete there were com- total disconnect in experience between a lot of the a lot of the units that were there makes it so hard to get a performance and, and to do yourself justice, especially in a team like Ireland, when the system is everything. So when you're coming into a game like this against Italy and you see all the, the new combinations there of guys who, you know, they're either playing with each other for the first time or, you know, they've played with each other maybe five, ten times total. There was a few club combinations there uh, that made sense, like you had Crowley and Casey. No surprise to see that they performed incredibly well. Um, but if you look at the the rest of the team, a lot of those guys don't have a whole ton of um, of experience with each other. Barry will say that the back row also with Ryan Baird, Caelan Doris and Jack Conan. And, you know, though all three of those guys actually play quite well too. So when you look at everybody else having, you know, pretty decent games or individual some decent moments here or there, but the entire performance, we'll say, not living up to maybe some of the metrics that were produced you can look at the cohesion factor and the fact that there's very little of it there in the in the selection that we saw here. And that is all to be expected. Um, looking at some of the, the standout moments in the game, really, I think the first half, the first 30, 35 minutes were very, very good from an Irish perspective. We looked really cohesive there, um, where the the passing and the, the amount of passing that we saw from Casey to Crowley, you know, playing off 10, was actually really encouraging. Um We've seen Ireland play like that before, of course. You, you would have noticed Ireland with those really high blasts of, um, you know, pass per carry rugby. They'll have almost blow teams away for five minute or ten minute blocks. We were actually at that for a good long while, actually. And backing that handling from scrum half to ten and then on, playing some really expensive looking stuff and, you know, causing Italy some problems at the time. Like the, the width and the accuracy of the passing from Craig Casey was absolutely fantastic. And I think that the quality of his performance here, even with the injury, kind of, you know, he only had, what, 45 minutes on, on, on the field? He felt like a far bigger presence in the game than a guy who just played over half. 
like the quality of, of his passing and his his kicking and his decision making just looked really assured but again look this is a guy he's got a lot of experience now he's built up an awful lot of it over the last number of um of seasons and his importance to Munster in that running uh to win the URC there a couple of months ago that's all very valuable stuff and it brings a fella on and I think Craig Casey he's got that sort of of, of big character that I think it helps you as a scrum half and I think you've kind of got to have it um but yeah, I expected him to come in and play well, and he did. And the link up between himself and Jack Crowley was actually very, very good. They looked really, really strong together as a half-back pairing. And then you're looking at, you know, when you're in possession as much as Ireland were here, because our, our kicking was way, way lower than what we've done previously, even against Italy back in the Six Nations. We kicked a good two-point-something percent lower uh, of, our, of our possessions, which we chose to kick was way down on, on what we did against Italy. Now, when we play against the likes of England, against the likes of France and, and South Africa, that number will go up. That that kicking volume will absolutely go up. I felt that with the way we approached this game against Italy, not that we didn't respect them, but we felt that we can risk a kind of a, a different approach in this game, maybe playing more on-ball rugby in, in you know more advanced positions. We can do that against this team because we'll back ourselves be able to have an answer for them if we fuck up or if you throw an intercept or whatever else we were kind of willing to play that sort of game and as the game wore on I think we stuck with it like our work in the second half I think for me was almost too expensive um, and it actually made it easier for Italy to defend but I, I think that our approach here was again very much like a warm up where we were looking at different builds in the pack and different approaches to the game where you know you look at well, what would we have learned here well, we we have learned that with Casey and Crowley, you have a you know a, a unit there that you can plug in if needs be against the likes of Romania, against the likes of Tonga, against the likes of whoever, and expect to get a win. If you want to keep those guys relatively down the chart, you know if you if if Gibson Park is your guy to start, and you want to have Murray involved against South Africa, fair enough. But I think with what Mur- uh, Crowley and Casey showed in this game was, you can bring those two guys to the World Cup; they can run the game for you at 9 and 10 against you know Romania or whatever else I know, and I know they're going to have to get Johnny in there um, to, to get minutes into him which again I think complicates this a little bit more because I think people thought it was a bit of an old you know bullshit punishment I think it, it does make things a little bit more complicated than what it might seem on the outside completely self-inflicted by the way but but I, I think that it, as a punishment it's a little bit more awkward and damaging than what it might seem on the outside at least initially but that's kind of where you're looking at games like this. Which units performed really well for us? Um, and I felt that um, the midfield unit of McCluskey and, and Henshaw was was pretty good. Um, McCluskey in particular, I think, did really well. Um, he carried well. He, you know, passed. He had a high volume of passing as well, which I thought was, you know, again, relatively speaking for a guy who you know isn't necessarily associated with that i think seven passes is pretty good henshaw had four but that's completely in line with the uh what we expect from the irish 13 where you're kind of more of a of of a hitter and a transition defender and a sort of a covering player than you are necessarily a handler or somebody who's expected to make a whole ton of passes you aren't for the most part that was one of the weird things in in this game from a build perspective was is that in the first half Jimmy O'Brien prior to his injury was showing up quite a fair bit at first receiver now Hugo Keenan 
does that, but I think not to the same level as as Jimmy O'Brien did here, which is again a bit of a wrinkle that they might want to you know uh, experiment with. But I think from the, the the biggest thing that like that that stood out to me overall was one, our our kicking percentage being so low, relatively speaking, and then you're looking at the individuals, just how little kicking our back three did with their use of possession. Because if you go back and you watch Ireland and the Six Nations at all, you will see you know a ball handling percentage, which is how many like of of possessions we'll say did you pass or did you carry with. And like the more you kick, the lower that percentage goes. You will see the likes of Hugo Keenan and James Lowe sometimes even going to seventy, maybe even sixty, sixty-five percent from a, from their from their possessions handled. And that gives you an idea as to how important kicking is to the Irish backfield. There were a few moments, and and not just to the backfield, but to Ireland's kind of overall scheme. There were a few moments in this game where, in, in the first half in particular, where I thought. You've gone off scheme there, Jacob Stockdale. <laughs> and it's completely understandable why he did so, but I felt that it would be noted. There was a few ones in, in, in the first half where he there was one where he was driven into touch on a transition where um he had an an entire open field to look at. And I was just looking at it, I was thinking, kick. Just kick the ball. That's what the scheme will determine you do here. And instead he went on this mazy run across the defense and got and, and got shoved into touch. It's a warm-up game. It's meaningless, but I think the coaches would look at that and go, if we want to bring this guy, is his tendency here more to run it back than it is to to kick, which is the scheme? That's the question for me because James Lowe in that situation, I think, probably kicks that ball and resets the transition again, which I think is the framework and the overall concept of what Ireland want in that spot. But Jacob Stockdale's instinct in that moment was to run the ball back, and he did that an awful lot here. I felt there was a, there was a few possessions where I think he probably should have kicked it, and when they look at the review, they'll say to him, "We'd like you to kick balls like that." Um, that's going to be something that's a it's a difficult thing to adapt to because I think what worked for Jacob Stockdale in 2018 when he was the guy that year is not the case now when it comes to the way that Ireland are playing and I think that James Lowe has set the template for that and rightly so I think the biggest aspect of James Lowe's game um, outside of his you know close range power his offloading his, 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 his IQ in the game is his kicking and that's one of the biggest aspects that if you want to break into that Irish back three you've got to establish that you are a very comfortable kicker of the ball I'm not sure if Jacob Stockdale did that in this game I mean he played well he had some good moments but I think that's something that might be held back as a bit of a blick mark against him where he's uh, maybe thinking that there's a few of those I should have kicked. And uh, looking back at the game, that was the impression I got. Uh, I thought Jimmy O'Brien ran that fairly well at fullback. Again, I think there was one or two moments where a better kick would have would have really benefited him. He's going to the World Cup anyway. I would be shocked if Jimmy O'Brien misses out just because of the cover he gives you. I mean, any coach would want that. A guy who gives you... like the specialist cover that you're kind of relying for from a role perspective at fullback but he can also cover both winger spots and he can also at a push cover outside centre that guy's going to the World Cup and like plus as well I think he understands and appreciates the value of the kicking game itself he understands that instinctively so I think that's going to play a huge part in getting him to the World Cup as well Jacob Stockdale I think could be under pressure for it we'll see if he starts against England next week but um, I felt looking back at the game that 
Jacob could have really done with kicking a few more of those possessions because even though he might have done well or whatever else in the individual times that he carried the ball, I think that they want him to show that he can kick the ball and that he can have that decision-making in his head where, okay, I know that space showed up there on the wing, but I need to kick this into the backfield because that's what we do. And understanding and playing your part in that system is a big part of, one, using these warm-ups in the way that they're supposed to be used, which is to show that you can play a part in the overall system and framework you're playing, but then also to demonstrate as well that you are able to put aside individual bits of your own game to make sure that we're always running on scheme and that's a big thing and I think and I, I, I'm not sure again we'll have to see how the other warm-up games go and it's, it's difficult to predict but Jacob Stockdale is one of my guys who's on the bubble so we'll, we'll see how he goes when it comes to um, selection down the line but he didn't play poorly here but I felt that elements of what we saw from him could be looked at as being a bad system fit so we'll just see how it plays out Keith Earls uh, I felt had a poor enough game really um like he had some good defensive reads uh, i thought he kicked relatively smartly as well uh he had one really bad missed tackle that you know there's there's no getting away from but like as in i don't think it was a disastrous performance by any means um he did some good backfield coverage he showed some good offloading and sort of awareness of space in the edge you know of the play where I think Ireland now are starting to kind of when that ball gets out to the edge they want to cut back inside look for offloads he was very good at that and he is very good at that so that's something where I felt that he showed system suitability um I think as well the fact he's such a big character in the team as well can get beyond the fact that yeah he missed a bad tackle got run over by a midfielder like Earls in theory can cover midfield now but like he's a winger and like he, he covers both wing spots and he's really really good there in theory he can cover it outside center but it's not ideal like you ideally would not have him there but i think injuries and and uh you know different bits and pieces kind of forced their hand to a certain bit there where he was defending in a, in a spot he's uncomfortable in i think earls is at his best when he's making reads on the edge and catching guys because he's read the play before they understood what's going on at outside center i think that's a little bit more difficult um, where there's still that that necess- like the necessity to make reads, but it's harder to get early reads. And he, being a smaller midfielder, has to get the early reads. And that's something I felt that uh, he struggled with for a bit here in, in this game. But I think overall, I think that, you know, some poor moments, but I like the quality of his offloading. Um, again, a fellow who I think is on the bubble of the squad. I can see completely why they would bring him, but they may go a different way and I'm not fully sold that he's 100% there even if he has a central contract I'm, I'm waiting and seeing on that uh, in uh, midfield Robbie Henshaw like I said and Stuart McCluskey pretty decent performance from both uh, Henshaw looked quite rusty to me but that can be a side effect of playing in the outside centre spot in this system which can be it, it requires a lot of selflessness and um, you know there's lots of lots of running in it lots of tackling lots of of tracking and uh, I think he did that relatively well um, but he had a few you know a few a few. I think, he had, I think he had one or two spill balls or whatever else but um, yeah I think that's part and parcel of the outside centre position I think almost why he's better suited to 12 uh, actually in, in the with the way that Ireland playing at the moment like Crowley and Casey for me were the standouts for me at halfback um, looked really good smooth 
um, it showed that they could play with a lot of variety. You could see Casey is looking to try and add a sniping game and a bit of a transition game to to his overall arsenal of of of, of moves. And I think that he's you know a better player for it. And again, I think both guys did themselves the world of good. And and I think looking at the the World Cup, I would be shocked if either Casey or Crowley didn't go. Now, obviously, you know there there can be a number of different things that can happen, but I think Crowley with this game showed you've kind of got to bring that guy in. Same with Casey. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think they'll bring three scrum halves total. Um, Blade and Frawley came off the bench for um, uh, Casey in Blade's case. And um, Frawley came on for Jimmy O'Brien but went into 10 for the second half. I felt that our attacking work degraded a small bit where there was less structure. We had less, um, I would say, fluidity where we weren't getting that pass quality once Casey was off the field. So a lot of what Ireland did kind of narrowed and compressed. And we tried to pass around the fact that we were involving the main kind of bulk of the Italian defence a lot more. They had something like 14 dominant tackles in this game because I think a lot of what we were doing, certainly in the second half, was bringing that defence in and giving them basically more of an edge to play with where in the first half for the first 35 minutes I felt that a lot of what we were doing was going outside of Italy and they were struggling to adapt to that and in the second half I felt a lot of what we were doing was inside that shoulder for Italy and they were more comfortable dealing with that in, 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 in that in that moment then I think that's the, the, the big thing when it comes to Frawley who I feel is in an unfair position because he is consistently viewed at Irish level as a guy who can give them options at 10 but he does not play at 10 in any serious fixture for Leinster consistently so if you're not that guy week to week for Leinster even in training like if you're not getting that reps playing you know lower level URC games or whatever else I think he's got what one or two starts there this year like for me you can't be that guy when the levels go up at test level now I understand that I think the coach has a bit of you know, credibility capital tied up in making Frawley a 10. But I felt in this game where he showed up a lot at 10, didn't really run a lot off the screen. Uh, he looked like a little a little hesitant running those shapes, certainly when they were coming, when the, the pass was coming off that pot of three off nine, he seemed a little slow on, on the movement there. But like, what can we expect from a guy who doesn't play there all year and then expect him to come in and run it nice and smooth? Like, as in, I don't think you can do that. I think he's in an, in an unfair spot there where he got a number of, of, of you know, um, handles on the ball in this game. He had a couple of good passes, especially to Crowley, uh, you know, when he was passing into the second layer. Because I think that Ireland, when they run that second playmaker at fullback, it does give, sec- like, your, your sexton alternate um, basically a better target to pass to who can make the plays where I think what Frawley did quite well was understood when Crowley was in a better position to make a big pass and then got that ball to him so he facilitated it quite well but I did feel having watched the game back two or three times I felt he wasn't helped by Blade's pass quality and consistency which was kind of all over the place for me his delivery was a little slower as well than what we would expect typically from from Caelan Blade and, and a guy coming from Connacht but like, I think that all kind of added up to Frawley looking a little bit like a secondary playmaker who's had to step in at 10 for a, a period of time. And I think that that probably is a good sum up of his, his game overall, where he had some decent moments. 
like like of course it wasn't the case like he played poorly but I didn't see a 10 there like I didn't see a guy who was able to run a scheme and adapt to what we were seeing from Italy and look maybe he wasn't helped by the quality of possession he was getting look that 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 happens but that was something I felt watching the game back is that that in the second half certainly from around 45 minutes on everything seemed to compress down and it, we, we we were passing a lot and, and it looked good but we were finding it difficult to you know to to make those uh the, the little line breaks or the, the little moments we got we, we weren't really creating them and what ones we did create we didn't execute so um a lot of that comes down to cohesion again like i said but i would put frawley certainly as a guy who's on the bubble at the moment because when you're a guy who covers 10 and 12 like i think specialists for the most part will overtake you and i think that ross Byrne actually coming up this weekend has a very very big game i'm not sure if he if he plays next weekend against england from 10 uh, at 10 from the start which i expect he will that's a very very big game from him because i'm not sure if andy farrell is fully sold on ross Byrne as of yet um so we'll see what he makes of him with the team he puts around him against England next week that's going to be an interesting one to watch um, for sure in the pack I felt that the front row from the start from the start played pretty well they all went off the field at 52 minutes Kilcoyne had a few decent carries um, he got caught in the scrum one or two times but I, I didn't feel he, he played overtly poorly Rob Herring I just think he's a, just a great player I think Rob Herring is just your absolutely perfect and I, I've said it a million times your nuts and bolts hooker he hits his targets he makes his throws He's a decent break off the back of the mall. He's a good tackler, good passer. He's a decent carrier of the ball as well. He's tough as they come, good scrummager. I thought he played well. And he, he's a guy, if you're going to bring three hookers, which I think Ireland will, um, Rob Herring has to be one of them for me. I know Tom Stewart came off the bench and did well, but I think it all comes down to what breakdown you want in your forwards. Um, if they bring four, Stewart will go. But if they bring three, it'll be Herring, I think, because he just he's so reliable. And you can put him into any. I think you you can put him into any context in a game, and he'll just hit his basics, which is exactly what you want. Um, Tom O'Toole, I thought did really well. Actually, I thought he passed the ball um, really effectively. Um, he was, I think, he was asked to do maybe three or four passes, something like that. But they looked pretty good. He carried well. He he trucked the ball up. Scrummage okay. I felt looking looking at it on my on my second and third view, he seemed to do okay there. Not that the, the scrum was a massive factor in this game anyway, but um, he looked pretty good. Looked physical. That's the kind of guy you want there. Um, and Furlong off the bench looked really good. I was thinking, fuck it, would Furlong actually be better off the bench? Like when we get to the World Cup and the big games. They won't do that. But would that be so bad? Like, if you got, you know, 55 minutes or 52 minutes like they got here, 50, 52 minutes out of, uh, we say, Finley Beelham to start, and then you roll on Tyg Furlong, that could be a good way to fucking run this, you know? Because I thought that Furlong scrum was really well when he came on the field. Everything was that bit slower. So again, if he's, you know, coming into fitness or whatever else, it, it, it would suit him that way as well. Yeah, so I, I thought that it well. Healy had a really good cameo off the bench scored a try i think it was showed some good passing around the base of the rock as well he had, he had one or he had one, one or two passes but they were good and they think they set up directly a try in uh, in Caelan Doris's case um but yeah I, th- I thought he did really well um so yeah i think all those guys did themselves no harm at all i think the only guy there who's really on the bubble for me would be Dave Kilcoyne um because i think that 
will they br- will they bring the specialist loose heads when they you know I- I'm thinking there could be a bit of flux there because Porter obviously will go Healy will go obviously if they're fit uh, I think the hookers are going to be Sheehan Kelleher and, and Herring I think at tight head they'll bring Furlong Bielham and um, uh, O'Toole I think they may look to try and there, there could be some decisions to be made in the back five that they may want to you know bring certain guys or whatever else but looking here in the, in the back five from this game I thought they, they played pretty well uh, Henderson and McCarthy did really good I thought uh, McCarthy did the full 80 he's still really raw like he's a very very raw player um, you can see guys are, are kind of they're, they're, they're like they're, they're they're pushing him around the field basically making sure he's in the right spot for an attacking pod or at the line out or in defence sometimes but the reason why they like him is he's just a powerful guy. Like when they popped the ball to him, he made ground. He got over the gain line. That alone is something that you want to invest in. Like his his mall D looks really good as well. But my worry is, is that when the pressure really comes on, his line-out detail will, will let him down. I think he'll go to the World Cup. I would be shocked if he didn't, given the basically the talk that's been there from, from O'Connell and, and, and Farrell on him. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't go. But he's still very, very raw. Um, and I think that that has to be taken into account with him um, in that he's young um, but there's lots he's got lots to learn but physically he's got a lot of, of upside that, that they obviously really really like Henderson uh, captain the side really well I felt um, some good carries some good moments in the set piece um, captains the side really well I felt um, like not a massively dramatic game from him but like it's exactly what you'd want from your experience lock in that spot back row I thought Ryan Baird carried the ball quite well in the edge spaces but drift out he drifted out of the game a small bit uh, outside like I mean outside of the carries which were good because he's a he's a six foot what six 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 seven massively athletic um, when you give him the ball in that space he makes ground he's ridiculously quick but I felt that um, almost as a side effect of, of the way the game went in the second half where he just didn't get a lot of space to run into because anytime he got the ball it was being he was basically having two or three guys being run onto him and they made the tackle on him but good player I think he'll absolutely go to the World Cup because um, he gives him cover in the second row and in the back row um, Jack Conan the injury was tough on him I think that he got targeted a small bit off the restart which is what teams do consistently to Jack Conan I think La Rochelle opened people's eyes to this back in 2021 I think it was in the game that they played in France um, where they were constantly targeting him and and basically slapping him down on the restart and he got caught with the very first moment of the game here but then he grew into the game like his passing is really good they, I, I can see why they love his passing He's a really accomplished passer of the ball. Um, he had four passes here total, but like, geez, his, his ability to, to find guys on the screen was really, really good. And I think he was used quite a bit by Crowley in that, off, off that pot of 10, especially when Ireland were playing with that width. When he gets any sort of edge to work with, where he's got space on the outside and he can, like his footwork, his dynamism, and by dynamism, I mean, he's able to get off the mark fairly quickly. And then once he makes contact, he stays alive in contact and he's got the, sort of the footwork and the upper body strength where he can get over the gain line, especially when he's not trucking into set defenders. The way we used him in the first half was he was primarily carrying off 10, which I think suits him down to the ground. It probably suits him down to the ground even better to be in the edge space. But I think from a pace perspective, he's fallen back a small bit. That's completely fine. In that middle space, I think you can use a bit of extra power and weight 
that he seems to be carrying and he's able to get that punch over the gain line off 10 I felt he did really well there up until he got injured uh, Caelan Doris is uh, started at 7 but look forget about that really it meant that he was the plus 1 at the line out because that's what the Irish 7 does for the most part then he ran a lot of the sort of the, the, the positional lines that you'd expect from Josh Vanderfleer, but that would not be massively out of out of you know out of the, the context that Caelan Doris himself would run. He's an incredibly talented player, to the point where you could kind of put him anywhere in the in that back row and he's he makes it work. He can tailor back different aspects of his game. Like I've called him the utility wrench for Andy Farrell and he absolutely is like when you need him to be a primary ball carrier he can do that when you need him to be primarily a ruck guy with kind of half and half carrying and defence he can do that as well when you look at you know a role where maybe he has to and again his stats are kind of skewed here because he played the majority of the um, second half well all of the second half actually in what would be a fairly traditional role for him but up to that point like he was able to pass effectively off the, the plus one of the line out in the mall um, he scored a try you know in, in that spot as well that he wouldn't typically be in but like he's just so accomplished he understands what needs to be done and he's got such a I won't say generic that's not what I mean like he's got a like a skill set that fits a number of different roles that he could possibly be asked to do he can be a line out forward he can be a line out target like even the secondary guy there uh, his mall detail is very good like if you want him to be an edge runner he can do that as well but he's got the skill set and the heft that he can carry that off 9 or off 10 if you need him to do that too he basically can make any back 5 combination that you have work and that's invaluable for a coach he is probably one of Ireland's most valuable players at the moment and certainly one of the most important um, and he had a great performance here um, in the back 5 replacements on the bench uh, by the way I should mention Calvin Nash I thought he had some really good moments off the bench when he came on for was it for Henshaw? He came on for Robbie Henshaw. Went into the back three and uh, had some really good moments. Unlocking not to score a try, actually. Um, but yeah, good moments from him. A fellow who's on the bubble when it comes to the World Cup, I would say. But we'd have to see how it plays out for him. Um, the replacements, Tyg Byrne was just Tyg Byrne when he came on. Incredibly good. Just almost effortlessly good, except you know it's not effortless. Um, really good on the line out defensive breakdown work is outstanding one of the best in the world there because he is one of the best players in the world and he plays like that whenever he gets in the field he just can't help but be himself which is one of the best players in the world and, that, and that's what he does Kim Prendergast I thought was quite interesting when he came on because he went in to play that sort of big like he is a, he is a combo flanker right I've described combo flanker before it's that it's a flanker who has two things that they're really good at and then other things that they're sort of they're they're half and half over or they're not massive strengths of theirs but they're able to you know utilize those combination of talents to be a guy you can bring into different teams if you want to have a different aspect of your back five Peter Romani is a good example of a combo flanker in that his line out is the first thing that he's very very good at on both sides of the ball that's a very valuable thing to be a combo flanker specialist in and in his second one then I'd say is his his edge work, his work on the edge of the play, where his handling, his breakdown work, his pace, his ability to pass the ball, his, 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 his IQ in that spot is really, really good. But what is he not good at? Well, you wouldn't be a fellow who you'd line up off nine for 10 or 11 carries. He isn't the guy who you'd be putting in as the C defender, the guy who's leading your line speed and the guy who's making, you know, 15, 20 tackles a game. That's not really what he does. And I think that people's misunderstanding of what a combo flanker is and understand that 
This goes beyond your six, your seven, and your eight, or your 20, whatever you want to do it. These are specific skills that these guys bring that coaches will put in almost like a recipe to make their build and like their team, their build work. And Kim Prendergast is a guy who's got combo flanker tendencies. One of those is the line out. I think the other of those is, is that he's a better and more physical carrier and you, he's, he's comfortable carrying off 10 and off nine. I think that's something that is a big plus for him in his career and for getting involved in this World Cup. I think he's right on the bubble. I think that it, I think he could be even competing with the likes of Gavin Coombs. Although if Jack Conan is injured, that may give an edge to Coombs in that particular one. I think that Prendergast was actually pretty good here. He showed off some good handling. I thought his carrying was very effective, but that that was like that that was always the case. It's always the case for Connacht, where his carrying is really really good. But what you don't want in that situation is for him to get tied up too much at nine, where he's carrying the ball off nine. I felt he didn't. He got his hands free a good time, uh, you know, a few times in that pot off ten. Um, but I felt that overall, like Ireland's work in the second half, it's difficult for a forward to stand out massively in in those moments because. Yeah, I think Prendergast had some really good offload. I think to, to Calvin Nash, but like he's got that skill set. So like I think he's a guy who's right in there when it comes to the World Cup, and I think his performance here off the bench will have done like him the world of good because it shows that he can handle the plus one. But we know he's also a lineout jumper as well. He's got that size. Um, very interesting and a, and a good performance overall from him. So like there's there's nobody who I would say played massively poorly um and and trying to judge too much on who's in and who's out at this stage is 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 like i think it's a it's a way to making making a bad read i think that their decisions now are beginning to form it's going to come into into clarity very very soon like i said with the coaches they'll already have a rough idea as to who they want to bring and i I think when it comes to you know the, the the training camp in portugal that game coming up against England will be very important. There's a few guys there who I think need big games. I think Gavin Coombs, whenever he gets on the field, needs a big game. Um, same for the likes of Ross Byrne. I think Ross needs to dominate that game against what will be a very physical English side. I think at that point they'll be they've got they've got stuff to work out after that Welsh game. They're going to be going hard there. That's going to be a tough game, and Ross Byrne will have to run that from the start. I feel so. There's lots left to decide, and I think that. You know, there's more or less 28 guys nailed down, but it's those extra couple of ones and the performances over the next couple of weeks might spook the coaches. Because like I said, this is a big mountain you're climbing and now it's too late to make radical changes. So fellas may look at their at their, their, like their, their kit bag and go, shit, maybe I don't need that after all. Maybe that's going to weigh me down. This is the big decision that's coming up for a lot of the coaches and for Ireland, they are no different coming up uh, with this World Cup looming. I'll be back with another podcast on uh, Wednesday, which will be looking at the other games from the weekend and previewing some of the other games that are coming up um, at the weekend, uh, some of the other warm-up games that are going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. So, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a Tier K subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon.